0: MHI Industry Leadership Podcast brings together the solutions, providers, and thought leaders of the materials handling industry to talk about trends, technologies, solutions, and best practices to move the industry forward. Christian Dow is the Executive Vice President of Membership and Industry Leadership at MHI. In each episode, Christian will be talking to the leaders and members of MHI's industry groups. Let's join him now.
1: Today we're talking to members of the mobile automation group on how to get started with mobile automation. The mobile automation as it currently stands can be experienced as a jungle of uncertainty, jungle 4.0. This conversation guides us through hurdles customers face to convert their mobile automation vision and how each hurdle can be overcome. Today I have with me Noah Van Bergen, Director of Automated Solutions with Lindy Material Handling, a division of Keyon North America, and Brian Markison, Senior Director, AGV Sales with Mitsubishi Logisnext Americas. Welcome, gentlemen.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Noah, would you like to tell us a little bit more about your background?
2: Uh, Yeah, definitely. So, um, I'm a robotics engineer by education. I've been in uh, forklift automation about ten years now. Uh, in different Kion companies, I've worked in in disciplines uh, like solution development, sales, business development, um, project implementation, and services uh, across the different uh, continents that that Kion is active. Uh, in, in all the different industries that, that we serve.
1: Excellent, well welcome. Thank you for, for giving us that background. Brian, how about, how about your background? Where, do, where have you come from?
0: Yeah, I've uh, actually been in material handling industry for almost 29 years now uh, at various levels at the dealership uh, level, as well as at the OEM level. And it's almost a 50-50 split in terms of my time in both uh, at a dealer and an OEM. Actually, I, uh, my background or my uh, formal education is accounting, and that's where I started. But uh, I've moved through parts and service and rental and short term uh, or long term rental, and eventually ended up in sales and just haven't left that. Uh, currently, I lead our sales and service organization for Mitsubishi Lodges Next Americas, um, taking care of our local brand.
1: Excellent. Well, again, welcome, Brian, and and I think that uh, your experience definitely uh, is a great fit for this topic, Uh, and I'm looking forward to diving in. So, um, let's start with kind of the before we get into the hurdles, kind of a a, an overview question of uh, due to the economic situation, and, and currently we've, you know, we've got inflation. Uh, we've got labor shortage. We've got, you know, there's a lot of things happening right now in the in the world and short in the supply chain. The need and interest for warehouse automation and more specifically forklift automation is at an all-time high. What is holding back companies uh, to move forward to automating intralogistics? Noah, let's start with you.
2: Mm, so um, we, we've interviewed... Um, quite a bit of our customers uh, and and I think our customer portfolio is a a quite well representation of kind of the the mainstream uh, material handling uh, customers and uh, we asked them if if you look at their uh, inter logistics operations or their forklift based uh, pallet movements in their factories and warehouses and we, we asked them where they would want to be five years from now and uh, if we if plotted uh, that on a graph, what, what we saw is that the majority of these companies would have a, a vision, a, a desire to move towards anywhere between 50 and 80 percent of automation, right with respect to these, the, these forklift transportations. And that's quite a, a ambitious aspiration. Uh, certainly if we compared it to where these companies are today, and most of them would be anywhere between zero five maybe ten percent, right? There would be a a few, a few outliers that that would be beyond that. But the majority of, of today's companies are uh, at the very bottom of the scale, but have a very explicit desire uh, to get beyond that that 50 percent uh, 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 portion of automation. So so although they want to, they know where they want to head. Uh, they all struggle with with uh, the same hurdles and and we we mapped and consolidated different things we've been seeing and basically it comes down to uh, four things uh, and the first one the first hurdle that that we identified is that uh, it's often a, a big a big question whether Uh, or it's perceived as a big question, whether the processes that customers have, whether they're suitable to be automated, right? Whether they're too complex or too specific and, and finding the right applications where to start. That's, that's a big hurdle. Uh, Secondly, uh, there's a lot of questions about technology, right? Uh, There's a lot going on in the industry. There's a lot of startups coming up. There's a lot of new innovations and it's very, it's very confusing. Confusing often, uh, how to interpret these new developments, uh, how mature these technologies are, and customers often get confused, uh, and 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 do not fully understand whether the the, the technology is ready uh, uh, to get uh, moving forward. And then thirdly, uh, it, it's it's a money question, right? Is automation affordable? Can I can I uh uh bring the money together to do it and is there a business case behind that justifies it and then and then the fourth hurdle uh, which maybe is the most important one is like how to get started uh uh, uh how, how do I approach uh this this opportunity and how do I convert it
1: now, Brian any thoughts to to those four hurdles
0: yeah I, I think the um... When you start looking at the processes that they're looking to automate, um, you know, part of it is looking at it from an opportunity of breaking it down into smaller pieces. But I think that's uh, as we start to discuss more specifics about getting through that uh, process. But uh, Noah is right uh, in terms of getting started. That's the biggest challenge, I think, with most companies. They all have the desire to do that but sometimes don't have a good grasp on their processes in enough detail to where, when they are talking amongst themselves, even that they understand how all of the uh, processes interlinked to different departments within that organization. And that sometimes creates uh, challenges as you're starting to talk about automation, because if we can't get a good uh, complete picture, that definitely, uh, creates a challenge to to subscribe their correct uh, uh, solution for them.
1: Nice. So let's let's dive into the first hurdle. Uh, Is mobile automation able to handle the many complex processes used in warehouses in today's constantly moving market? Brian, what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I think um, there's lots of uh, pieces of the uh, processes that we could definitely uh, automate. Um, I like to think of from the standpoint of a continuum to where there's one end that there's definitely processes that are um, very uh, ripe for automation all the way to the other end where you really need a a human in the middle. And that continues to to move from left to right in that uh, continuum. But again, a good starting point is looking for something that's predictable, that's repeatable. That's a process that could be easily reviewed and automated. Again, looking at what you're doing from a material movement. are you moving it from point A to point B, and that could be from floor to stack to putting it in a rack, moving it on and off conveyors, those type of things. Or is it more of a, a goods to person type thing, or even order picking, case picking, those type of things. So understanding those different types of applications, um, and then what type of loads are you moving? is it a single item to a case, to a pallet? Are you moving different types of racks or are you trying to put carts? Um, And then uh, how items are put on and off of carts or racks and those types of things. So I think those are items that you look or talk through. And there are many different solutions out there to attack just about all the different types of movements and types of loads that I had talked through a lot of uh, of the different uh, providers can do different types of attachments that you would see on a standard forklift from fork positioners to clamps to single doubles. Um, So a lot of some of the movement techniques that a standard forklift would have uh, can be deployed as well. But I think uh, that's a major piece. And then understanding if it's not going to flow predictable, what would be the exception handling and having a little scope around that because I think that's important to be able to identify because if you have a lot of exceptions, then it probably is not a good place to start. And again, I think the first piece is to aim for a, a, their first project to be focused on a process, get that early win, get some buy-in within the organization that automation is a good path forward for before you start moving into a very large or, very large or complex scope of automation. Plus, it gives you an opportunity for your internal people to understand what that process looks like, especially if they haven't been through the automation journey. And probably as they're looking at the different applications is look for an opportunity to optimize that process before you start to look to automate. Just don't assume just because that's how you do it manually today that that's a good starting point. Look for a way to improve it. How do you move your materials less and, 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 and coordinate it to the, to the tightest you can. So look for opportunities like that as well.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. A lot of really good thoughts in there. Certainly if, uh, if you deal with a lot of canoes and fishing poles and, and, uh, and those are going to be your exceptions, you probably want to consider other options That's right. know, making sure that those aren't, aren't handled 90% of the time when you're trying to automate. Uh, no, what are your thoughts?
2: Uh, I, I fully agree on what, what Brian said. Uh, I, th- I think uh, to elaborate on that, a common mistake we, we often see is where people start to think of automation, they, they sometimes would take the hardest process with which they have the most trouble um, to, to operate that process manually. They'd see a lot of issues with it. They'd see forklift drivers or operators struggle uh, handling the loads with the complexity of it, so uh, although that that may be a good application to automate, kind of picking out the most complex tasks and then hoping that automation is gonna solve all of your issues and product quality issues and pellet quality issues and peaks and, and all that, that that is really uh, s- setting up yourself for, for for failure. So I think I think the predictability. Looking for processes with continuous flows, making sure you have run uh, for multiple shifts in a row that are um, um, nice and smooth. That that are uh, applications that are really great to start with, and that uh, create great great benefit also uh, for a customer.
1: Yeah, I think I think to your point that you know. When we think about automation or when I think about automation, I think about taking the easier tasks that are that are that are easy for humans to do and and automating those versus taking tasks that are almost impossible for humans to do and then trying to figure out a way to automate that. Sometimes that just is, uh, um, you know, you're you're not starting with a uh, maybe a path that might be easy to, to succeed. Uh, so but so good point on that one. Um How about the second hurdle, the, the technology aspect of it? Is the technology ready to fit the needs of the practitioner? Noah?
2: Uh, I'd say sure, uh, yes, most definitely. Um, I think it's important to remember that uh, mobile automation business has been here for what is it three, four, five decades. And already from the early beginning, there have been a very stable, reliable, viable, Uh, applications out there. Um, Obviously in the last, let's say five to 10 years, we saw massive growth in the industry. We saw a lot of new players entering the market, a lot of new innovations uh, coming up. And uh, that's obviously a blessing. I I think uh, seeing that uh, still today, the portion of of mobile automation versus manual operations is still uh, rather marginal. Uh, but we see that growing. We see what's happening with the labor shortages, and and everyone starts to realize there is a need. So so we're very much welcoming all the new players, and and all the companies growing. However, we also see that a lot of customers get uh, extremely confused, and and we're in industry 4.0, but we like to call it jungle uh, 4.0 because. With every company or, or, or every technology or every product launched, there are new acronyms, there are new buzzwords like SLAM navigation. Uh, there are new types of, of batteries uh, with lithium-ion, with hydrogen. Uh, there is uh, quick installs. Um, there is artificial intelligence that is obviously a, a huge buzzword. It's, it's opening everyone's eyes uh, whenever you use it. There's cloud computing, there is decentralized decision making, like all these new trends and all these new technologies, they open up an array of new applications and opportunities, but but also they 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 create kind of a minefield or or a swamp in the jungle where at the end of the day you, you want to have the best technology, but but is that really what you're looking for? I think at the end of the day, you're looking for a stable application, a sustainable application, uh, a system that delivers a certain performance, gives you a certain throughput, a certain amount of uh, product moved across your warehouse, across your your factory. And these technologies are to support uh, getting that that throughput achieved. and what, what we see very often with, with, with all the marketing machines uh, going in over hours, right? What we see is that customers come to us, they say, hey, we want one AGV, we want it to have lithium ion, it needs to be autonomous, it needs to avoid obstacles, uh, it needs to, they have a whole checklist of, of features and, and technologies built into it in order to trial it for a couple of months and then give it back right and that's and that although although of course we appreciate all the technology technological uh, advancement uh, at the end of the day we're here to create customer value to to try to to find a business case and to help navigate these customers towards towards uh, grabbing and converting that potential so the ask or the, 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 the recommendation I would give is to obviously stay on track of new developments and technologies, but look beyond that, look for suppliers uh, that can help you, that can help you design an application, design a use case and leave leave the technology aspects, the battery technologies, the navigation technologies, the, the, the forklift or, or vehicle technologies leave that over to the supplier and 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 their expertise of how to solve that best right
1: you just can't just add ai to that like i'm just gonna put it <laughs> can i just add ai to yeah. my, my application yeah <laughs> well, know, sometimes I, yeah. things just don't always fit they're not always a good fit for the for the solution you have right yeah brian what do you think
0: no, I think Noe's uh, right on from the standpoint of, uh, of it being a jungle. And it is uh, disconcerting when a customer is looking at specific technologies and evaluating solutions from that perspective, as opposed to uh, discussing the what they're trying to solve, the process that they're trying to look at, or what their processes are. Um, you know, it's being more concerned with trying to pick out the, the shiny new hammer as opposed to understanding what the project is. Um, so I think it's important for um, the customer to, to vet their their suppliers, but uh, put some of that onus on them to help uh, understand what's the best process to address and to move through to uh, provide that value. Um, you know, it is cool technology, but the bottom line is uh, if it's not providing a value to the customer, is you know, down most of the time or creating a nuisance or not actually fit in uh, the, uh, the scope that they were trying to accomplish, then uh, the customer is not going to be satisfied with, with that.
1: Yeah, it's definitely not going to be adopted by the, by the team and the organization. And Correct. you're going to end up leading to, to problems later with, with other technology and uh, implementations as well, right? Because people are going to be skeptical of it. Yep. Um, so the million dollar question, and this is a perfect one for you, Brian, with your background, uh, what level of, of investments required from customers to start implementing mobile automation?
0: Yeah. And the range will be pretty significantly in terms of the investment dollars from the perspective of looking at, you know, two to three shift operation, Generally, most ROIs are typically in that 18- to 36-month range um, for what the customer is looking to uh, make the investment on and uh, address. Um, and generally, uh, our, our team or the teams with your suppliers definitely could help you support putting together the information you need to calculate the ROI. Um, I think that does get to be some of the challenges as a customer tries to uh, Wrap that all, or their brain around that entire calculation of what uh, an automated system can help deliver for that customer. So we anyway, talked about you know like throughput and, and consistency from that perspective. Um, you know the mobile automation uh, solutions are, are very are demonstrable to be very safe. You know so now you have you know less damage to the building or your product or you know. You know, obviously uh, forklifts have accidents all the time. Um, That's one of the more dangerous jobs within most companies is actually working in a warehouse. So again, making it safer for employees. So there are lots of different items to include into an ROI calculation. That, uh, you know, and the longevity. Um, One of the nice things of a standard forklift with an operator on it is they usually uh, create additional repairs to that vehicle for non-standard wear and tear, uh, where your uh, mobile automation solution isn't doing that. These will run for a decade or more. And then sometimes you can go through and upgrade the the technology at that point in time and get some additional wear. So, again, there's longevity to these products. um, You know, and again, depending on what you're looking at, uh, you know, very small systems can be, you know, a lower or a longer ROI. But again, with other opportunities from, you know, financing and leasing options that are available today, um, leasing companies are understanding um, some of the cost for putting together a mobile automation solution has soft costs to it. And it's not necessarily like a hard asset that uh, a lot of the equipment finance companies are. Historically used to, to uh, ranging, and a lot of them have expanded their portfolio or their offering to, to start including, um, you know, commissioning costs, the software costs, and the, those types of things into a lease package. So that could uh, allow a, a company to have benefit pretty much from day one as they start to see um, the improvements that the automation can make in their operation.
1: Yeah, so definitely going from and and really going from simple ROI to business case, right? Going into a much more holistic look at at not only the the costs of running the this versus having a a driver and a forklift and you know uh, and comparing the two, but looking at you, you know and you mentioned. Um, wear and tear on the vehicle, but, you know, forklift drivers also tend to run into racks and into equipment and and things like that over time. Um, It's, you know, they don't have 360 reviews. You know, you've got two eyes in the front of your head and wherever you're looking is where you're, where you're paying attention to. So you're Mm -hmm. looking at the load, you're backing up, things like that. Um, And then you mentioned some of the, uh, the other concerns about Um, you know, really good points about workman's comp and things like that. I had, um, you know, in a previous life, we did systems that prevented uh, took away some steps from forklift drivers of having to get off forklifts. Cause every time somebody had to get a get off a forklift and step onto the plant floor off of a forklift, that was, there was a calculation for that, for what, what was the likelihood that person was going to sprain an ankle, hurt themselves, lift something, do something. Uh, be run hit by a forklift, you know, or something else was going to happen as soon as they got off of that forklift. And so, um, and so, a lot of times that can play into it. And then one other thing I'll add is that in the uh, in a previous solutions community meeting, we had uh, really looking at kind of the augmentation of human capital. Sometimes, you know, right now the business case is, is if you don't do some things, if you don't automate in some ways, you may not be able to get what you need done done right and so you know so sometimes the roi is kind of out the window because it's whether or not you're going to be able to do this with with the lack of labor and with the other challenges that are going on right now and so um so yeah so there's definitely uh, some really good points there so Noah, what do you think
2: no i i i i fully agree and and you mentioned a lot of non-financial benefits right We, we we discussed some financial benefits right comparing with the, the cost of running the system, but then also there's a cost of not running the system. Right. And, and, and labor shortages have really opened up every, everyone's eyes. And although probably in the next one or two years, we'll, we'll see a economic slowdown and, and potentially a recession coming up. So, so labor may become more available again. However, uh, people working weekends people working sundays people working night shifts people working holidays things like that get uh, increasingly uh, difficult to cover right so so you can have a, a beautiful factory a beautiful warehouse operation but the moment your your drivers your operators don't show up and and honestly i mean they're right like if everyone ha- has the right to, to improve their lives and if we should not be working on sundays and weekends and and holidays like why why should we uh, but but what we see is that 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 problem to keep these warehouse and operations running right that that is staying even even if economic economies is slowing down, and and we 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 experience that uh, this piece of the of the business, the 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 automated uh, part of the material handling, uh, keeps growing, and 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 these labor shortages keep playing into that. And then I, I like the I like the reference to leasing, and and as as these solutions get more and more mainstream. As, as these financial institutes get very familiar with it and as quite big, big, big players also uh, kind of start to set standards in the industry. Um, leasing is really a nice option as, as we refer to ROIs 18 to 30, 36 months. So if you now can lease that uh, and knowing that the system will run, as Brian said, a decade, sometimes even more than that, like that's a, a payback you have from day one like the moment you, you get your equipment installed and the moment you start making that first monthly payment, you're actually already saving more than, than that you're paying on a, on a monthly basis. So I think, I think to sum it up, um, is there an ROI? Does the, does the business make sense? And, and the answer is pretty much always uh, yes. Yes. Yeah.
1: And I think uh, to go along with your leasing, it goes into, you know, CapEx versus OpEx, right. And, and budgets and the way things are rolled out. And so I think that, uh, you know, there's options for for people looking to implement these technologies to do things as a service or, you know, and then, then they can kind of build out or, you know, increase capacity or decrease capacity uh, with some of these options as well, or some of these solutions. So, um, and then, then they, they only have that, you know, have those resources when they need them and they're pay for them when they need them and they're not paying for additional resources when they don't need them uh, in those cases. So for that, great points. Um, with all this information, where, do, where would you say that a practitioner would even start to change their warehouse process, process to automation? Um, I think going back to, um, again, understanding your,
0: your processes and then taking that opportunity to optimize them, and having agreement in that flow throughout the organization. that's um, one of the harder challenges I think is the prep work that really should go into really before you start diving in and talking to you know, your automation um, supplying um, suppliers, I should say. Um, but it gives you an opportunity to start to get uh, a team working on that, focused on that. And then as you start to work, uh, go out and have a discussion uh, with your different uh, types of uh, loads and materials that you're moving that will help you start to understand which suppliers you should start having a little deeper discussion with based on what they have in your offering. There isn't anyone out there today that can address all the applications that are out there. Um, There's some of us that are doing very well in certain segments of it. And then I've, you know, there's others that are doing um, different types of applications. So, again, you, you can go through and filter through and then get into that discussion. Um, back to one of the comments Noe made about, you know, really letting the supplier then start to design the value prop for you and start to work with your company. And then that team that's been working and focused in on that process and how they can address and use their technology tool. To work through that process and and make that a a reality, um, I think that's uh, a crucial point um, to to get going and started on that uh, that journey.
1: Excellent, Noah.
2: Yeah, most definitely. So so the most important thing to get started is to effectively get started, right? So so look, <laughs> yeah, it sounds easy, but it's very it's very difficult, and it's where 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 most errors happen but but it's 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 much more finding a trusted company a partner that can guide you through this jungle 4.0 that can pull you through navigate you through create that value pos- proposition do that uh, solution design together supplier and customer and, and come to a, an application that that actually s- serves uh, uh the customer's needs and and We see a lot of of customers trying to over rationalize the criteria to which they uh, uh, identify suppliers and they'd make maybe like 200 page RFQs uh, uh, sent out to to 20 different suppliers, give them a two week or a four week notice uh, to submit a a firm offer. And um, although you're get a, a lot of outreach, right, it, you really miss the opportunity to do to, to joint value creation and to really tailor uh, that solution, but also to, ta- to, to build a, a relationship and, and a cooperation that allows you to scale. Right, you you may get a good deal on on your first project, but the ultimate question is how do you reach that fifty to eighty percent of automation, right in 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 your 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 operations? So um, find yourself the partner and 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 invest in the corporation uh, rather than investing in in finding the best deal for, for, for that for that one one use case because uh, if you get to do one use case it's gonna help you out on short-term, but, but, but the, the real shift is happening in, in scaling this up and, and uh, finding ways to, to deploy it all the way throughout uh, your facilities.
1: Excellent, great, great points. Uh, Brian, why don't you tell us, so the Mobile Automation Group uh, is a uh, industry group for MHI. How can we learn more information about the Mobile Automation Group?
0: They can visit our webpage at MHI.org backslash M H E.
1: And there's a blog, right? That's correct. So the uh, MHI warehouse automation blog.
0: <laughs> 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 Sorry.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: all right. So this this uh, not only this podcast, but other podcasts will be posted there and then our uh, then the blogs that uh, the mobile automation group and the other automation groups within MHI will uh, post there. So, uh, but uh, thank you, Brian. Thank you, Noe. Uh, appreciate your time. And uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much.
2: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: Thank you for joining the MHI Industry Leadership Podcast. Join us next time to learn more about the trends, technologies, solutions, and best practices that are moving the industry forward.